of us in our spiritual lives think that we've gotten saved by grace and now I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. And we're spiritually lazy. I always tell people, we should never forsake the gathering ourselves together at church. But if all you do is eat two meals a week, you're not going to be healthy. No matter how good that meal is. We need food every single day. You need to feed yourself God's word. You can't go more than a day without eating and drinking before it affects your ability to function well. Today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that the same is true for your spiritual health. You need to feed your spirit with the truth of God's Word on a daily basis. No matter how great the teaching may be, getting together a few times a week for meetings isn't enough to keep you going. So be proactive and give your walk with the Lord what it needs to thrive. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, as he continues his message, Consider the Contrast. The problem with righteousness, this is the right way to live, is that all of us have fallen short on it. Now, What's awesome about God who created and sustains us is that God isn't like, you all are failures, losers, sorry. God's not like that, right? God's not the one who's just sitting there like, oh yeah, you just ruined everything. (laughs) I got it on Instagram, it's going on the vine. It's none of that stuff. See, God says, look, you have not lived righteously, but guess what? I have righteousness and I want to share it with you. That's the Christian message. The good news of the gospel is that God is righteous and we are not. And God says, look, I have righteousness and I want to share it with you. I want to share my righteousness with you. And that is what it means to be born again. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. Because when you believe in Jesus, Jesus is like, look, I get everything right. You don't get everything right. I'm going to share my righteousness with you. And as I share it with you, now as you move through your life, day in and day out, you're going to become more and more like my righteousness, and you're going to experience more and more of what right living is. That's what the good news of Jesus is. And that's why you need to believe in Jesus, because you don't need a pastor to tell you that you're not always as good as you should be. You know it in your own heart. Your own heart checks you on that stuff. But then Jesus says, look, I got righteousness and I want to share it with you. That's a powerful reality. So when it says, when I say be righteous, what I'm really talking about is put your faith and trust in Jesus and allow Jesus's righteousness to now be a foundational principle in your life. And as Jesus's righteousness is a foundational principle, you and I start to become more and more like Jesus. So if you ever wonder, how am I doing spiritually? You should ask yourself, Am I doing better than I used to be? See, I like to say it, we say it here across all the time that we're all in process. What that means is that all of us are growing. And so you should be able to look back at your life and say, I'm not as angry as I used to be. I'm not as critical as I used to be. I don't do those things that were destructive 
that I used to do, and my mouth is not as dirty potty as it is today. Because, you know, it's like some potty mouth, right? Like God doesn't want... Think about the visual, potty mouth. Doesn't fit, right? Nasty. We'll talk about that a little bit in a minute, so... So the idea is that we all should be growing. And the only person who's not growing is God, because God can't change. God is perfectly God all the time. All the rest of us are in process. And so be righteous. And righteousness is more valuable than treasures of wickedness that profit nothing. Now, I need to make the point, because it's right there. If you, in your business dealings are seeking to profit on what the Bible would call wickedness. Now, again, our culture likes to minimize things that are bad. So we would say, you know, it's kind of, you know, maybe it's good, maybe it's not good. I call it shady when someone's being shady, right? Because it's not in the light, it's in the shade, right? If you're trying to profit, make money through shady business dealings, stop it. Because literally, it says here that you may make money, it profits you nothing. And people learn that over time. People who do shady business dealings, it ends up coming out, and then you end up doing time. I mean, Bernie Madoff, right? His whole Ponzi. That guy made more money than probably this entire congregation combined, and now he's sitting in jail because he's being shady. But when our heart loves materialism, then our will will choose materialism, and our brains will find a way to justify Shady business dealings. But we learn here that righteousness is of more value. Not only that, notice verse 3. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. Now you think about when someone is famished. I mean, you all know what it's like. Eat breakfast at 8 o'clock and by 9, 10, right? You're famished, right? You're just finding your way to the break room. You're like, where are those donuts? Oh, wait, no, you guys never do that, Right? The idea of being famished is when you're, I'm starving. It always reminds me, remember Esau? Esau and Jacob were, were, were brothers, and Esau was out hunting, and he came on back, and he was so hungry that he sold his birthright for a bowl of red lentils, bowl of porridge. I love this, because when Jesus shares his righteousness with a person, it says that the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. He's saying, listen, When a person hungers and thirsts for righteousness, as Jesus said, that person will be satisfied and be filled. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you understand your soul being famished because you could feel it. And no matter what you do, no matter how many things you involve yourself in, maybe you get like a quick little moment where you're like, oh, that was kind of fun. But ultimately, you know that you're still hungering and thirsting for fulfillment. Because look what it says. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. What that means is that if you try and satisfy your soul with wickedness, rebellion against God, the problem is is you will never actually attain the thing that you desire. Why? Because the flesh is never satisfied. I I have a, a family member who had a history of drug addiction. I'll never forget. I was a young man. We were talking about uh, drugs and all these things. And he said, listen, he said, I ruined my life and my family trying to always get back to the way it felt the very first time. Because what happens with rebellion against God is it's pleasurable for a moment, but it's an unattainable. You're the perpetual horse with the carrot in front of you that you can't actually get the thing that you want. And that's how we know if 
we are building our lives on rebellion because we are never actually able to grab hold of what we want because God loves you too much to let that desire be fully satiated because you were created for more than that. And that's why it says that the desire, he casts away the desire of the wicked. The desire is never able to be quenched. That thirst of rebellion against God, the flesh will never be satisfied. So if you're a materialistic person, you will never have enough stuff. If your God is your checkbook, you will never have enough money. It's amazing. I think it was John D. Rockefeller. He was the richest man in America. He was like Bill Gates before Bill Gates was Bill Gates. And they said, how much more money do you want to make? He said, just a little bit more. That's how it goes. It's always just a little bit more because the ways of rebellion are just unattainable. You're always looking for the next thing. Now, I said be righteous, but also, notice I said we need to be diligent. Look at what it says in verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So not only should we be righteous, sharing in the righteousness of Jesus, and not just having a belief about Jesus, but actually living that stuff out, because Christianity isn't just a set of beliefs, it's literally an all-encompassing way of life. But now we have to learn to be diligent. And diligence here is seen in opposition to laziness. Notice, he who has a slack hand. You ever hear the phrase, slacking off? It's someone who's lazy. Someone who's slacking off becomes impoverished. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise man. How many of your gardens are just blowing up right now with ripe veggies, right? So when it's blowing up, what do you do? You harvest it because the summertime is harvest time. When somebody, when somebody gathers in the summer, they're wise, He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So not only do we need to be righteous, but we need to be diligent in our lives. You have to ask yourselves, am I diligent or am I lazy? Ask yourself spiritually, am I diligent spiritually or am I lazy? Am I I a spiritual slacker? Now, I got I to gotta make sure I make this nice, important distinction here because the Christian message is that we're saved by grace apart from works, right? Now, that does not mean because you can't do anything unto salvation that, because of, that God wants you to be apathetic about your life. See, we are saved by grace apart from works unto good works. Was, is the book of Acts a book about people who are lazy? No. Is the Gospels, is Jesus portrayed as someone who is not passionately getting involved in the lives of people? See, we are saved by grace apart from works, but you and I now need to be diligent in growing, diligent in investing our lives in the life of the kingdom. We need to be diligent in growing up. I was talking to my my kids, and it's the summertime, right? So they're not supposed to be in school, but we've been doing schoolwork at home, Right? And Obadiah is just like, oh, dad, why are we doing this? I'm like, well, listen, you're going to be in school next year and your, your times tables, it needs to be, it's just going to get harder from here, right? And I'm like, if you don't know it, you're going to be behind the eight ball. And he's like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, you know? Just quit nagging, dad, I'll do it, you know? Can I get a marshmallow when I'm done? Sure, buddy, you know? 
I think a lot of us in our spiritual lives think that we've gotten saved by grace and now I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. And we're spiritually lazy. I always tell people, we should never forsake the gathering ourselves together at church. But if all you do is eat two meals a week, you're not going to be healthy. No matter how good that meal is. We need food every single day. You need to feed yourself God's word. If the only time you pray is when we pray at church, if you only have a relationship with somebody two times a week for a couple minutes, you're not going to have a healthy relationship. So there's that need for not only diligence spiritually, but also diligence in the way that we work. Would your boss, would your vocation, would they consider you to be somebody who is diligent? Or are you lazy? Do you slack off when you should be working hard? The time for working hard to harvest is in the summertime. The person who sleeps through the harvest is foolish. And all this reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Great verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I love that. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, this is diligence language. You're steadfast. You're not stopping. You're immovable. You are fixed in the work of God, knowing that your labor. See, these are words are not of passivity, but of activity. These are not ideas of, I'm just kind of leaning back. But no, I'm pressing in because of what God has done for me. So we need to be both righteous, and we need to be diligent. Now, moving on from there, as we get into verse 8, look at what it says. It says, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. He who winks with the eye causes trouble, but a prating fool will fall. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but righteousness covers the mouth of the wicked. Verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous leads to life. The wages of the wicked is sin. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. So just as before we saw that we need to be righteous and diligent, now we learn that there is wisdom in love and in integrity. There is wisdom in both love and integrity. We have another set of twins, so to speak, another pair here. There is wisdom in love and integrity. Now, I get that there is wisdom in love right from verse 12. It kind of sticks out in the middle there. Hatred stirs up strife, But love covers all sins. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Now, this is important 
Because what we learn here is that when somebody hates people, they are stirring up stuff. They're getting the thing rolling. They're keeping something going. And we kind of live in a culture that really values stirring up things, right? It's like getting this thing going. And what's amazing is, is many of us struggle with that. Many of us are really good at like, oh, yeah, you hear that thing? Oh, oh and then you're, you're fine. feeding the fire. You're just putting a little gas on that fire. Oh, yeah, this is great. We're just going to keep this thing going. The Bible calls that hatred. Wow. See, this, right? The Bible. Because some of us, we're good at stirring up stuff, but we would never say that we're a hater. Because haters are going to hate, right? You can tell when somebody is a hater because they are stirring up strife. They're keeping things going. Oh, oh you know, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, yeah. I did. Well, you don't even know the half of it. That's hater. Haters drink haterade, I guess. Whatever, you know. It's just like, that's hatred. Consider the contrast. But love covers all sins. Now, that's quoted for us in 1 Peter Chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Wow. Pops up again in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, that love bears all things. And that word bears in the Greek literally means covers all things. Why does love cover all sins? Because Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. See, love is not stirring people up, but love is protecting and covering people in the mistakes that they made. Now, this does not mean that love enables somebody to continue to sin. Love is not, don't say anything about that evil thing they're doing. That's the antithesis of love. But when you love somebody, you realize that person is not perfect and that stirring up and inciting the flesh in other people by our information about them, that is actually hatred in action. Love says, sure, they're fallen. Sure, they make mistakes. When we all do, but you know what? I am not going to be part and party to character assassination of somebody else, even though they might be wrong. Because that's not who Jesus is. And we call ourselves Christians because we are the followers of Jesus. And if Jesus can take the cross to cover our mistakes, then we take the cross to cover other people's mistakes. And that's wisdom. Wisdom loves your neighbor as yourself. Look, we've all made mistakes. We've all done the wrong thing. And it never feels good when somebody runs your mistake out. It never feels good. So why do we do it to each other? You got to see, again, that's why like the Bible's like, it's got some claws. Sometimes the Bible bites you a little bit. It, it gets it. It's like, ooh. Next time people are starting to stir up strife, you got to think to yourself, hatred does that. That's hate. And I, Jesus ain't a hater. I ain't a hater. But love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers sins. Because that's who the Lord is. And this is who we're called to be. There's wisdom in doing this because when we are like God, when we act righteous as God is righteous, the world is blessed. God's design is not to run out everybody's mistakes and chit-chat about it. God wants to crucify it and forgive it and drop it in the sea of forgetfulness. That's who God is. And 
God designed you and I as his people filled with the Holy Spirit that we would do the same thing, that we would be people who love and cover instead of incite and stir up. So not only is there wisdom in love, but there's also wisdom in integrity. Now, in these verses, there's a lot of different things about integrity. But notice, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. A a prating fool is somebody who talks aimlessly and idly. So what you have here is that someone who has integrity will receive commands, which has, they will listen to the people in authority in their lives and and respond. Notice verse 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely. So the idea of walking on the straight path through the narrow gate, the difficult way that few find but leads to life. When you walk on that path, you work with, walk with security. But notice verse 9, but he who perverts his ways will become known. You see that? The reason why, and if you consider the contrast here, the reason why walking in integrity is important because when you don't, when you walk in a perverted way or a crooked path, at some point that's going to come out. The good old saying in your Bible that your sin will find you out. It comes out. It always does. It never stays hush-hush. It always ends up showing itself. So there's wisdom in walking in integrity as opposed to crookedness because ultimately when we are shady, it will come out. That's what we learn here. So you have to ask ourselves, because again, it's easy to push it away. It's easy to like, oh, I hope so-and-so is listening to this message. But you got to say, Lord, by the power of your spirit, will you shine the light of your righteousness into my heart? And if there's any wicked way in me, God, lead me in the way of everlasting. Because each one of us, could anyone here say, I always walk in love? Only Jesus can. Can anyone say, I always walk in integrity? Only Jesus can. And we're all being worked on. And maybe your crookedness is not as crooked as the most crooked person you can think about. But all of us, God wants to make our paths straight. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that everyone is a work in progress. God wants to straighten all the crooked things in your life as you grow in wisdom and walk with Him. You learn that living a life marked by love is another bit of wisdom God wants you to incorporate into your life. Instead of stirring up strife, you can choose to use love to protect others and cover their mistakes. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it though because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. 
and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues to unpack how to walk in integrity. You'll be reminded that every sin will come to light at some point. It always does. Pastor Daniel also shared that there is a danger in thinking that you aren't as bad as someone else. When you start comparing yourself to others in this way, you lose your realistic perspective and forget how much you need the Lord to rescue you. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called God's Tweets. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.